announcement that on February 8th, on a Monday night, we're going to have a special meeting as a church. We're calling it the Heart for the House Banquet. We're going to get together and talk about our future, and uh, we're going to make the announcement in earnest next week. We're going to talk about all the details of that event, but I wanted to give you a little heads up today so you can maybe mark that date on your calendar and determine to be with us. Monday night, we're going to have a great time, share a meal together, and uh, talk about our future. I have some things I want to share with our church, and so that should be a great, great time. And then many of you know we're now two weeks in. This is our second week in a new sermon series called Creatures of Habit. And what we're going to cover today is really a standalone message, but in a large degree, it's part two of what we studied last week. And many of you uh, were here last week, I know that, but if you weren't able to make it, let me encourage you, go to our church website, and you'll see it's easy to find where the sermons are, and watch the sermon from last week. I think it can help you in a great way. And today we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. So if you'd take your Bibles, please, and join me in turning to the New Testament book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. And uh, that's, that's going to serve as uh, our text today. Uh, every Christmas, our family gets together and, and we have some traditions we enjoy. And one of the traditions is every year we make Christmas cookies. And uh, we, we get the cookie dough out and roll it out. And, and uh, then we get the, uh, the little patterns that you can use to punch out the cookies, the cookie cutters. And, and so we'll roll the dough out and then you get the pattern shaped as a tree or maybe as a snowman. And you, you punch it in, then you bake the cookie, and then you get to decorate the cookies. And that's just something we've done every year. It's something we do, we do for fun. And, and we use the cookie cutters or the patterns to produce the product that we're looking for. And I want you to know that patterns always produce products. Patterns always lead to conclusions in that sense. In each of our lives, we have patterns that we use every single day. We have patterns in our relationships. And if we'll think of our relationships, we have a lot of cyclical things through which we go. There, there are patterns. We all have financial patterns, spending patterns. We have eating patterns. In fact, we even have sleeping patterns patterns. All of us have patterns that we use in our life. But many times when we're missing the product or the result or the goal that we're looking for in one area or another in life, it's actually a testimony that the pattern we're using is not right. Because patterns always produce products. And if the product is not what we would hope that it would be, it's revealing or testifying that in our life there are some patterns that are not all that they could be. And I want you to know today that God has put within you the capacity to live a life that not only is the best life you can possibly live, but a life that honors God. And catch this, a life that is pleasing to God. God put within you the capacity to live a life that is pleasing to Him. That's a motivating thought. Paul was writing to the believers in Colossae on one occasion. In Colossians chapter 1, he told them, he said, you know that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He wasn't implying that the way we walk earns the love of God. That's a settled issue. But for those that know the love of God and want to love God in return, Paul says, I want you to know, you can walk like who you are. You call yourself a child of God. You call yourself a Christian. He's saying, walk up to the title that you bear and know that as you live for God, you can be pleasing unto Him. Now, this is such a fundamental part of life that none of us are exempt. In fact, even a child has the ability to be pleasing to God. In the same letter, the book of Colossians, Paul went on to say, Oh, and children, obey your parents in all things. Why? For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. 
all of us have a capacity that God's given us as we live for Him to live lives that are pleasing. Now, in our last study, we talked about the power of same. We talked about the value of consistency, of faithfulness in, in life. But what some people call same or routine is actually just a rut. It's just a rut we've gotten into. And I want you to know today there's a big difference between a routine that leads to a reward and a rut that we get stuck in in life where we go over the same things, but not in a productive sense, in a negative sense. And I want to share with you today that we'll never have the year we want to have, live the lives we would, we would love to live if we don't let God from time to time look us over and let God in a very loving way say, child, let me help you. There's an area here. An area there, there's some patterns that can be tweaked or improved, some that can be done away with. We need to let the Lord look into our lives as we seek to grow in the course of our lives and do that work of, of change that we all need. I love the words of Jesus in John 15. He said, I'm the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, or he prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And if we hope to grow in our lives, we have to be willing to have a process of pruning. We have to have the willingness to come and, yes, read the Word of God, but as I like to say, we then let the Word of God read us, and we let God reveal those areas in our lives that we can see growth and improvement. Now, it would be irrational of me to take the pattern that shaped my last year and, and to hope to get a different year this year. In other words, if I live the same way I did last year, I can't expect to go beyond or to grow more than I did last year. Imagine if I were making Christmas cookies and I were to get the cookie cutter shaped like a star and press it into the dough and get disappointed because I got a snowman or a tree when, when I was holding a pattern that was of a star. But sometimes we go through life and we are frustrated with the product that we're seeing in one area or another, but we're employing the same pattern. We're not changing. We're not learning. We're not growing. We're not sometimes putting things away that are not productive. So you need to understand that your life will go no further than the patterns you employ. Your marriage will go no further than the patterns you employ. Your role as a parent will do no better than the patterns you you employ your finances will look no better than the patterns you employ because patterns always bring a product now in a powerful verse paul addresses this issue and he talked about the fact that all of us have patterns that others are pushing on us we live in a noisy world that wants to tell us incessantly how it is that we're to live and he went on to share ultimately that it's a decision we have to make to choose patterns and the product of our life will be dependent upon the patterns that we choose and so we must choose wisely if you're able today i'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we look to the word of god romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be reading romans chapter 12 and and uh, this morning we're going to have many verses in our study but we're going to begin with one verse here verse 2 where paul says this and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There are a couple of key words in that verse. 
they're the words conformed and transformed. And, and I want us with the help of God to get in this verse, let this verse get into us. And, and I want all of us today to just be honest and open before the Lord so that he can, he can be the one that shapes us. So that his pattern can be the pattern that we follow. Our Father, we are so thankful today that you are a God of love. And Lord, we are here because we acknowledge that apart from you, there's really no purpose, no point. And God, we want to live lives that are honoring to your name, lives that are pleasing to you, lives that are productive. And, and so I pray that you'd help us today to learn a little bit more about how we can make the most of our lives for your glory. And we pray this prayer in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We live in a world that would love nothing more than to take their cookie cutter, their philosophy, their ideology, their mores, and they would love to take their cookie cutter and punch you into their mold. They'd like to put their pattern onto you. That's the world in which we're living. Our world loves to tell people what's fashionable and what's not how to act and what to do or not do, what to value. Our world would love to tell you what their current, ever-changing definition of morals is, is all about. Martin Lindstrom is a market research expert and the author of a book entitled Brand Washed. And he writes that research suggests that humans flock like sheep and birds, subconsciously following a minority of individuals. And he said it takes a mere 5% of what he calls informed individuals to influence the direction of a crowd of up to 200 people. The other 95% trail along without even being aware of it. Now, I know the idea of, of being called a sheep can be a little bit off-putting, and I don't know if I like an author writing and saying, let me tell you what you are, you're a, you're a sheep, but the reality is, if you're a Christian today, if you personally know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior Sheep is an analogy that God uses to speak of his own. In fact, the Bible, David writing in Psalm 100 makes this point. The Bible says this, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's he that hath made us. We didn't make ourselves, not we ourselves. And we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so the Bible says, in essence, that we're to be his sheep. So we're living in a world where, according to this author, everybody's a sheep. The difference for us would then be, what shepherd will we follow? Will we follow the shepherd of culture, or will we follow the good shepherd, the great shepherd, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? The idea is this. We can live a life seeking to please others who want to conform us after their pattern, or we can live a life that honors Jesus Christ and pleases Jesus as we follow his pattern. There's a decision to make. We are not to be impacted by culture, but as the people of God, we're to impact our culture. Now, it's to this end that Paul wrote these words, and they're very key. He said, be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the philosophy, the ideology of this world. Don't let the world shape you. And the idea is that the world is ever working to shape us after their image. I want you to know that's why Paul said that, because we live in a world that's seeking always to get us to follow their path. And, and, and when the calling in the life of a believer is to be like Jesus Christ, there's a battle on the inside, a pressure to conform to be this way or to be this way. Paul was writing to the believers in Rome on one occasion, in Romans chapter 8, he said it this way. 
He said, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. There are a lot of great truths in there, but in essence, in the center of that verse, we find that God has a will for those that know him, those who've been saved. And God's will is that we'd be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Be not conformed to this world, but be conformed to the image or the pattern that we find in Jesus Christ. And so we can live lives as people pleasers, culture pleasers, or as God pleasers. I was reading an article recently on the topic of health, and in the course of this article, the author began to share some things about, about the way we view ourselves, and many times the way we view ourselves isn't how we view ourselves, but we wonder how others view ourselves, and we accept what we think they think of us. We look in the mirror, we don't see us, we think, I wonder what other people see when they look at me. And when we're seeking to do what we do, even from a health standpoint, as the article is all about, what happens is quite often, we start doing what we do for them and not for us. Now, I'm not going to pick on ladies today, I married one, okay, I have two daughters, but this author went on to share the impact that, that this world's philosophy, in this sense, has had on, on, on ladies. He talked about the 50% of teen girls who have a disorder in one way or another of skipping meals or vomiting uh, to avoid weight gain. He talked about the 20 million women that have eating disorders and they dug deeper and they discovered a growing problem. The typical young lady this author revealed, listen, I couldn't believe this, but the typical young lady sees over 3,000 advertisements a day. And the advertisements are portrayed by way of models who are not typical or average in any sense of the word. The typical model is about four inches taller than the typical young lady. The typical model is about 40 pounds lighter than the typical lady. And so what happens is sometimes we look at another and, and we think, I don't measure up to the way they look or the way they do it. And so we feel a pressure to conform to the image of that which is happening around us. The ramifications of taking the world's pattern as our own can have a negative impact in many ways, but when we extrapolate this into our relationships and into our relationship with God, it can be totally, totally debilitating when we do what we do to try to please the wrong people. And I'm saying if we hope to have a product that is pleasing to God, we have to go to God to get the pattern. We have to go to God to get the pattern. So what is it we can learn from the Word of God in relationship to this topic. Here's the first thought this morning, if you have your notes nearby. We have to take responsibility for our patterns. We have to take responsibility for our patterns. Now again, Paul wrote these words. He said, be not conformed to this world. And I love that statement because it gives us the idea that there's, there's a choice we have in this. We don't have to go through life as victims. We don't have to be the sheeple who follow the directives of a culture. We can be individuals who before the Lord make a decision and we can have a responsibility about it all. You see, victory can never come in areas of our lives that we have needs in if we don't recognize that the product that is unpleasing, the product that is difficult, that is, that is hard, that is, that is wrong sometimes, we have to understand there's been a pattern that led us to that place king david what a life he lived what a great man he was in many ways 
We can think of all the wonderful things he did, but really when the story of his life is told, it always includes the great failure that comes to the surface. And we know that David, although a man of faith and a good man in many ways, was a man that broke his wedding vows. He cheated on his wife and then the whole process of, of trying to cover that up. And so here he, he got a, a bitter fruit. He got a, he got a big loss in his life. It was a product, listen, that came from a pattern. A pattern. I won't go into it all now, but he was supposed to be somewhere. He was not there. He was looking at something he shouldn't have been looking at. And it all began to work in his life. And then he gets to the point where, it, where we would say this was one of the great failures in the life of an otherwise very great man. How did this product ever come to his life? It came by way of a pattern. A pattern led him to that product. And friends, hear me today. Please, I love you and God loves you. But we're never going to go any further than our willingness to take responsibility for the products that we find in our lives. Think of that. David's thinking of all this. He had a lot of reasons for what he did, but none of them were good. David had to be willing to look at the product that came to his life and not offer an excuse, but take a responsibility for what he had done. And so David sat down under the inspiration of God and wrote one of the chapters of the great book of Psalms, Psalm 51, where, where David pours his heart out to the Lord. And he says, God, against thee, thee only have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. David was speaking to the Lord, and he said, God, I know I've hurt so many people in this. It's been horrible. But he said, God, really, at the top of the list is you. And really, in many ways, God, you are the list. I've sinned against you. And he wasn't afraid to call what he had done evil. It wasn't a faux pas, just a misstep. He, he said, I, I'm going to own this. God, I've sinned. It's an evil thing that I've done. Someone can say, well, pastor, you're preaching a message of, uh, that, that we should feel guilty. Look, you can feel guilty or not. The fact is today, we all are guilty. There's not one of us that can say, I've gotten it right every time. So you can psychoanalyze yourself to death and figure out how you can feel however it is you want to feel. I think it's pointless to go through life feeling guilty. It's better to take responsibility for what we've done, find the remedy for what we've done, and enjoy the forgiveness we have in Jesus Christ. But until we take a responsibility, there's no growth that could come. You see, he had to acknowledge this pattern, that it had hurt many, but at the end of the day, it was a sin against God. And so what did David do to move on from that? He said, God, I did this. It's wrong. It's sin. I can't blame anybody. There are reasons for what I did, but none of them are good. And so God, because I want the product to be better, I'm coming to you to acknowledge the pattern that led me to the product was not right. And so God, would you work in my life i was raised mostly in an inner city setting in long beach california and uh, i remember years ago when uh, the turmoil of the la riots was ongoing so much of that actually happened in, in long beach and, and i remember people were uh, breaking into stores and looting and robbing and and i was so surprised to learn that people i knew friends i had were involved in that all and i, and I just couldn't believe it i i thought the whole world's going crazy, and the people I thought were the least crazy are, are right in the midst of it, and, and, and what they're doing is wrong. And here's what's interesting. Many times they felt justified because that was the pattern the world was using. 
They looked at it, and whatever it was, we're going to get the man, or, or what, whatever rationale they went through, they thought, you know, we can do it. Here was kind of the mindset. Well, everyone else is doing it, therefore, I can do it. Well, there's a, a pattern I'm seeing in the world, so I guess I can employ the same pattern. If that's what everyone else is going to do, I'm going to do that myself. And so they felt justified in abhorrent behavior because it had become the societal norm. I want you to understand that a lack of personal integrity and responsibility will lead you to live life as a victim. And God never wants you to live your life as a victim. When we take the rationale that was employed in that situation, we're going to say, well, I've been kept down, somebody owes me one, I've had all these things going against me, and I don't want to make light about the things through which you've gone. I don't want to make light about the difficulties you you face. That's not what I'm talking about today. But I'm talking about the occasions we have in life where we adopt a pattern that's not right and then we justify it by saying, well, I had it coming anyhow or everyone else is doing it. You have to take responsibility to change the pattern to find a blessed product. Now, if you're not mad at me yet, say amen. Amen. Good. That's pretty good. Almost unanimous. All right, I'm going to say some things right now that may seem a little bit like in your face, but plain talk is easily understood, so I shall now speak plainly, okay? All right. Sometimes you, you can say things, I say you, we can say things like, well, you know, I'm just a hectic person. I'm just a hectic person. No, you don't plan well. The product is a hectic life. Well, I'm just a hectic person. No. You've come to the point where you don't care if other people have to wait on you. You can say, well, well, pastor, uh, listen, I'm just not a morning person. Perhaps that's the product, and the pattern is you stay up too late watching TV in the evenings. And it has an impact on the way we live the next day. Pastor, I just don't earn enough to tithe. No, could the matter be you just don't trust God because God's the one that told us to do it and he said he'd take care of us. And and if we don't tithe, it's not an indication of how much we make. 10% is 10% of however much anybody makes. Could it really be that there's a problem with a pattern of ultimately we're not willing to obey and trust the Lord? Amen, preacher. I'll go ahead and amen myself right there. thought that was a good point to throw in. Pastor, I come from a long line of people who've had addictive behaviors that very well may be but you don't have to struggle with those addictions yourself you're not you're not a victim is what i'm telling you and not living as a victim starts with taking responsibility understanding that god would have never told us in his word don't be conformed to this world if we didn't have the capacity to choose what it is that we would allow to serve as a pattern in our lives if you change the pattern you will change the product You've got to take responsibility here's a second thought you have to trust god's pattern and receive his product you have to trust god's pattern and receive his product now let's see how the verse continues here. The Bible goes on to say this, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now earlier, you'll remember as we started to read this very same verse, the Apostle Paul talked about being conformed to this world. He said, don't be conformed to this world. Here he says, but rather be transformed. Now it's interesting. The idea in the word conform is to shape something. 
Uh, in my mind, I thought of a sculptor shaping something, obviously working from the outside in. And God certainly works on our lives. But the word transformed, it, it means more than to have a life that is shaped. It means to have a nature that is shaped. That's the idea in transform. You can be made into something totally new. And so we have a God that works on us, but he works on us by working in us. It's not the pressure that the world gives to conform to their image and outside-in pressure. It's an inside job where God the Spirit puts in our hearts what it is he would have us to do. He'll shape our lives. Paul, writing in the book of Philippians, said it this way. He said, you know, it's God that works in you, in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure he gives us the desire the will and he gives us the enablement the doing of things that are pleasing to him and so we find a pattern that leads to a product that is pleasing to him and it says god works in us and then he works through us so what do we think of this we we need to see the entire truth is connected to a way of thinking a way of thinking you see the pattern is a renewed mind according to the bible the Bible said, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so God is teaching us this. You want a product that's pleasing to God, that's the best product you can hope for in your life? There's a pattern, and the pattern comes from a mind that has been made new. And so I have to ask myself, well, what does that mind look like? Jesus, of course. It's the mind of Jesus, as we learn to go through life thinking as he would have us to think, it's an understanding that we've been called to look like the Lord. He's the ultimate pattern in life to the believers in Philippi. Paul went on to write in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. He said to them, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, you want to know the mind that it is you're to have in life so that you can go through the life as, as, you, as you should? It's the mind of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? Well, it's the mind that says, Lord, uh, listen, uh, what would you have me to think about this? What would you have me to do here? God, I want this to be done as you would have it to be done. I, I'm, I'm not letting everyone in the world impress upon me what it is I, to do, I need to do. God, I'm coming to you saying I love you and I want to follow your pattern so that I can get a product that is then pleasing to you. So God, would you be the leader in my life? So we, we look at our marriage, we look at our families, we look at our career and, and on and on and on and say, God, what is it that you'd have me to do? How is it that you would have me to look at this area of my life? life i want us to take a minute really to just think of jesus christ and how satan tried to conform jesus after his image the event took place in luke chapter 4 and it was a time that we just often refer to as the temptation of christ for sake of time, I won't read the whole chapter, but if I, if I read the whole chapter, we would, we would find that, that Jesus, after 40 days of fasting, obviously hungry, he's confronted by Satan, and, and Satan tells Jesus, hey, why don't you turn those stones into bread? I know you're hungry. Just turn those stones into bread. It's going to be great. That was his pattern, but Jesus knew the product that would come from that pattern. And so Jesus tells Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word uh, of God. And so Satan then tells Jesus, hey, why don't you just bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus says, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only thou shalt serve. 
Finally, Satan told Jesus, why don't you just throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple here? The angels will pick you up. Man, everybody will see that. You'll be something then. And Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, we break these temptations into three categories. We think of the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. Now think of what Satan said. Turn the stones into bread. Appealing to flesh. We think of the lust of the eyes. Satan said, look at all those kingdoms out there. Do you see them? You can have them. And we think of the pride of life. And when the, the uh, devil said, hey, those angels will lift you up if you just jump off, jump off the pinnacle of the temple here. This is the world's pattern. It's not a mystery. It's not a secret. In 1 John chapter 2, we find a greater understanding of how this works. John said, for all that's in the world, let me tell you what's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, the world says, here's where it's at. Whatever you got to do to get power or, 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 or pleasure or possessions or position, that's where, it at, where it's at. But when we think like Jesus and respond to the pressures of life with the power of the word of God, we'll know what it is to be transformed from the inside out in such a way that we begin to resemble Jesus Christ. The product will be a life that is Christ-like. So the pattern has to be right. If the product is to be right and pleasing to God. And that leads us to the final thought today. I want you to see that his pattern, the pattern of Jesus, his pattern has been proven. Proven. Now let's look at the very end of this verse now. As this verse concludes, he said, uh, That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And sometimes people dissect good, acceptable, and perfect but I really think there's just three adjectives pointing to the will of God. God's will is good, and it's acceptable, and, and it's perfect. And so the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove, ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want you to know today, your mind controls your body, and your will controls your mind. And what we do when we think of that is we conclude by thinking, you know, I just then need more willpower. But the Bible tells us that the power we need to follow a pattern that leads to the right product, it's not a power that we possess all of our own. It's only when we come to God and we say, God, I want it to be done your way and I want to live by your power. And so God, would you help me to know what to do? And would you enable me to do what needs to be done? And as we do that, it's God that gives us the willpower and in some cases the won't power so that good decisions could be made that will lead to products that are honoring to him the product of following jesus as our pattern will bring a product that is good and acceptable and perfect would you imagine with me today imagine what your life could look like one year from now as we're entering into 2017 if you would say god i want the patterns in my life to be honoring to you what kind of a product would you see in your life one year from now i want you to imagine how this could change your family life i want you to imagine how this would change your approach to your career or finances imagine what your life would look like if you followed a pattern that came from god the son i can only begin to imagine that the product will look infinitely better as we follow that pattern uh, i grew up in what i believe to be the greatest decade in the history of mankind my primary growing up years were in the 80s and it was totally radical I guess you had to be there to get that one, but uh, the 80s were something else. We had a lot of good things happen in the 80s. 
and um, uh, probably a few bad things, but, but a few good things as well, and um, a lot of things to enjoy in that era, and I wanted to play a game with you today, all right? So we're going to play name, name That Tune. So listen to this and see if it sounds familiar. Anybody? Pac-Man, right, good. For those of you under 40, that was a video game that you had to put quarters in, all right? Uh, it wasn't a video game you play on your, on your couch. Uh, it, it, was, it was a video game you had to get to by way of a bicycle. And uh, I would ride my bicycle to Thrifty Drugstore, remember Thrifty, and I'd get an ice cream cone for 35 cents, and then I'd go down to, uh, to the, uh, uh, um, the bowling alley, and I'd go in there, and, and uh, I'd play Defender, and I'd, you know, all those games. But I'd play Pac-Man. I don't know how many quarters I wasted on Pac-Man. A lot of quarters went in the Pac-Man machine. And uh, I would make my way to those little power pellets. You could bite the power pellets, and the ghosts in the game that were there to get you, you could eat them after you ate a power pellet. So I'd rush and get the power pellet, and I'd chase the ghosts around, and in time they'd change back. You couldn't chase them anymore, and they'd chase you, and they'd kill me. They'd come back, and they'd get me. I was trying to bite them, and they would come and get me. But after a while, I figured something out. There was a pattern to the game. And if you followed the pattern... You'd go further, faster. If you followed the pattern. There was a pattern to the game. And I'm here today to tell you something. There's a pattern that can be followed in life. There is a pattern, but more than speaking of it in terms that, that we can't relate to. Let me tell you something. There's a pattern, and he has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, leaving us a pattern that ye should follow in his steps. This is Jesus saying to us today, I've been there, I've done that, I've played that game, I beat that game, I know the pattern of that game, I've mastered that game, and if you follow the pattern I've left for you, you're going to find that the product is going to be infinitely greater than anything you can ever produce on your own. And what we have to do is have a humility of heart where we'll say, God, help me to know the power of a pattern. Jesus, help me to live like you. Give me your power and your mind and the ability to follow what it is you've given me to do. You know, for so many of us, the endless struggles we face testify to the reality that the pattern is the problem. The pattern is the problem. We misname the problems. We, we look at the product, but we've got to understand there's something deeper going on. We've bought a bill of goods from our world that there's no victory in that. And I want you to know that understanding what I'm sharing today doesn't remove the, the war. The battles still come. But what, what, what we need to do in our lives is to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. It's not about our strength or our power. It's not about our experience or lack of it. It's about following Jesus each step of the way. It's about seeing Jesus as the pattern. It's about enjoying then the product that comes. And it's about pleasing God in the course of our lives. Oh, we need the power of same. We need those routines that lead to rewards. But we've got to understand that in the routine, there's got to be a pattern that is premised, that is based upon the truth of God, the truth of God's word. And as we live his pattern, we'll see a product in every area of our lives that is pleasing and honoring to God. Would you all be so kind as to join me in standing? I want us to think about what it is that we've studied today, what we've learned today. Let's bow our heads in a spirit of prayer. I wonder how many would say, you know, pastors, you've helped us to understand the, the power of a pattern. 
I wonder how many today would say, you know, I, I've seen some products in my life that I know aren't, aren't right exactly. And maybe you'd say today, I haven't always been open to the pruning process that God can bring to our lives. But maybe you'd say, you know, Pastor, I believe if a pattern were, were altered or tweaked or, or maybe one was done away with altogether and replaced completely. But maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, there are some areas in my life I believe if the pattern changed, the product could change. In other words, you're saying, Pastor, I, I believe I've got room for growth and God can help me in that regard. Are there those like that by the testimony? Just an uplifted hand. It's wonderful. Wonderful, thank you. You may put your hands down. 